how do you define leadership? It's such a simple question, and yet there are so many answers. But what's important is that the way that you define leadership can provide you guidance on how to show up for your team without burning out. So today, my guest is walking us through her definition of leadership to help us all thrive at work. A warm welcome to Carrie R. to the Modern Manager Podcast Plus community. Today's guest is Terry Schmidt. Terry is the director of Stronger to Serve Coaching and Team Building, where she uses her 20 years of experience in coaching, leadership, and performance improvement to seamlessly integrate team building, leadership development, and community service. Her workshops and coaching cultivate empowered individuals, cohesive teams, and impactful contributions to society. Terry also hosts the Stronger Leaders Serve podcast, inspiring leaders to make their workplaces more compassionate and just through their leadership without burning out. Terry and I talk about leadership in service of others, how to use your talents to avoid burnout, and how to set your team up for success through servant leadership and creating shared values. And of course, so much more. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you so much for joining me today, Terry. It's so fun to talk to a fellow podcaster. I love listening to your show, and I'm excited to dive in with you today on all these topics around leadership and, and overwhelm and burnout and all the stuff that managers struggle with and just in the day-to-day. Well, thank you for having me, Mamie. I'm excited to be here as well and excited to have you on my podcast in a little bit as well. Yes, yes, yes. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's start with the big picture. Tell us about how you define leadership, because that's the question that is always like on our minds as managers is we're supposed to show up in the day to day and be leaders. So what what do you, for you is leadership? For me and the definition that we use at Stronger to Serve is courageously using your talents to make a way for others to courageously use theirs. So that can encompass a lot, but that really gets to a lot of the key points about what I see is really important in leadership. Can you break that down for us? Because there were a lot of <laughs> a lot of words, and that's an unusual definition. It's not it's not what we often hear. So, can you break apart those different components and get into the meat of of why this is your definition? Of course, of course. So, the the first part, courageously using your talents um, as a leader. My core belief is that everyone has unique talents that the world needs. And as a leader, as a manager, I really see the first step is figuring out what those are. Um, We'll get into how that can help you to avoid burnout in a little bit. But when you know what those are, then you can lead in a way that others can also discover their talents and contribute those to the workplace, to the community, to their families. Yes, a leader needs to set a direction. The way that they do that is going to be determined based on what their talents, what their strengths are. And then the way that they motivate their team to actually execute and do all the work that needs to happen in order to get to that vision is all based on the support that they're putting in place, the barriers that they're getting out of the way for their team to use their own talents. 
I love that. I love that that leadership is really focused on the person you are and the people that you are working with and enabling all of you to tap into that unique gift that you have and make the most of it. Yeah, that's how you get to the productivity. I mean, we're not cogs in a machine. And if managers treat their people in those ways or if they are treated themselves in those ways, it is going to lead to burnout. And you're not going to get that innovation, the productivity, everything that a manager wants comes much harder if you're not approaching it in that way. So, so, so true. I wonder if you could give us some examples from yourself or your clients who have taken this kind of talent first approach and kind of unlocking your your strengths approach and how that has either shifted the way that they show up or just different examples of of what those strengths or those talents might be. Because I'm imagining some folks are still thinking, that sounds lovely, but I'm not sure how to do that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So sure, I was coaching a woman um, who actually started out as an analyst, didn't ever think she wanted to get into management or leadership, um, didn't think she had any desire, really liked to kind of be in the corner working with the data, figuring out what it was meaning. As she got some opportunities, even in that role, to lead others, she discovered that she really enjoyed developing other people. As she got more and more experience doing that, her confidence just blossomed. But then she got to a turning point in her career where she was kind of looking for other opportunities, whether it be in the organization or another organization. And there were some really great opportunities coming her way, but she saw that some of them didn't have any direct reports. Um, She wouldn't have an opportunity to develop other people. And as she reflected more on her experiences in you know the past several years about what what really energized her and what you know she just loved doing and couldn't get enough of it was that development of other people and that helped her to avoid some missteps in terms of selecting future positions and helped her when she did advance to get to a place where she knew at least every day she would have one opportunity to exercise that talent which then would give her energy. So even if she was having a really bad day because a bunch of other things were happening, she knew if she got at least five minutes to in some in some way exercise that talent, that she would feel a little bit better. That would be a bit of reprieve from the struggles of her day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I see now the connection that you're starting to draw between using your talents and the things that you love doing and avoiding burnout. Can you say more about how that how that mix works. I've heard it stated that our top talents are really kind of like batteries that we want to keep charged by having some opportunity in our day, in our week. And I've even had people who will write down their top talents and kind of plan out, you know, compare their calendar to those top talents and say, okay, this is when I'm going to hit this one. This is when I'm going to have an opportunity to exercise this one. And what that does for them, again, like I mentioned with the other woman, it gives them a sense of reprieve, a sense to energize and kind of charge those batteries. And that does wonders for our well-being. It does wonders for our confidence because those talents are something that naturally come easy to us and something that we can do with great excellence. And when you are doing something that you can do with excellence, with ease, that naturally energizes you and gives you confidence. Those are two pieces that can help a leader, a manager to avoid burnout by using their talents. I've definitely experienced that myself. I've also, at points, 
been really unclear what my talents are because they come so easy. And so it doesn't feel like it's a special gift. It just feels like how you do your work. Like it's really clear wh which things are hard. And sometimes it's kind of clear which things are easy. Do you have ways that you work with folks or, or things that people can do to help really identify what are my unique strengths and talents? And especially if they're not like the most obvious kinds of things that you've been praised for over the years. Well, we do utilize the Clifton Strengths Assessment um, as as one starting point, and then beyond that, or if you you know choose not to use that or don't want to invest in that, you know, we actually have a job aid that we take people through in terms of here are some questions you can ask people around you um, to really get at you know what what do you think everyone comes to me for. And you can ask that to the people closest to you. You can also ask that to yourself, you know, reflect over your calendar from the past and think, okay, where are people coming to me for advice and why are they coming? Those can be some clues to what your talents are. And then also, you know, again, just doing the reflection and looking back even over your day or maybe over a week and thinking, okay, where did I feel really good this week and what was I doing? Or maybe you look back further over some projects. You know, what what projects, looking back now in the future, do I, um, I feel really good about the outcome and I feel really good about the process to get to that outcome? And what was it specifically about that project and the work that it involved? Those can be some clues to identifying your talents. I, I love those. I did something very similar a number of years ago. I asked, I don't know, like six or seven people, like, what do you think my superpowers are? And, you know, what do you think I, I'm one of the best that at XYZ that you of people that you know? And it was so fascinating to see what came back because it was none of the things that I would have put on my list, right? Like, that's what I think is so fascinating about doing the self-reflection and asking other people. And it doesn't take people long, right? Like, you can imagine folks that you work with, you know exactly what you think their strengths are, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big data person, so I love to triangulate the data. So if you can get like a, a formalized assessment as well as others' opinions and your self-reflection, you can really come to some common themes and get some insight on what your talents are. Do you suggest we take the same approach with our team members, that, that this is something that we can invite our team to do the same process, the same reflection, the same sharing, so that we can all kind of get a better sense of each other's strengths and talents? Oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's that's the starting point for motivating a team. Yes, you are going to have work potentially, especially in a manager role, you know, handed down to you, you know, you need to execute on these objectives. But how you execute on those objectives and how you get your team to contribute to those objectives in a way that allows them to have intrinsic motivation as opposed to just extrinsic motivation. The key there is knowing what their talents are, knowing how they want to develop them so that you can then frame the tasks that have to get done in light of those talents. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm thinking about a colleague that I have who I was, she's amazing. And I was trying to kind of not totally promote her, but start to move some of the more administrative tasks off her plate so that she could take on more complex projects. And she, when I started bringing this up, she was like, but I love managing your calendar. It's like the thing that makes me so happy because I, I'm like, whoa, we're, really? She's like, I'm like, I think my calendar is a mess. 
but she loves the puzzle of it. Like it's her, her happy place is making sense of it all. And I just thought that was so interesting that something that I see as being not enjoyable at all and is so draining and I don't want to touch it to her was tapping into this part of her brain that she felt was like bringing her alive. And that's why we have teams, right? That's why we bring different people together because we do all have our different strengths. And, you know, with her, maybe she's not going to be managing your calendar forever, but now you know what about managing your calendar she enjoys. And so if there are other tasks that can also, you know, allow her to tap into that, that's another way that you can help her to grow. Yes, exactly. And back to the place of leadership, right? Helping people leverage their talents, right? She has a knack for this and it's something she enjoys. I need to find more opportunities for her to do things like that to leverage her strengths. All right, let's go back to that definition for a second because if I remember correctly, you said something about courage or courageous and can you just explain that piece of this? Definitely, definitely. You know, I I think it takes a lot more courage to actually discover what we are good at and to speak out for others using what we are good at. Um, And that's where the courage comes in. So it can be very easy to try to fit into a mold of what we think a successful manager is. And it may not align exactly with what our talents are. Or we may be trying to mimic an expert or mimic a leader that we've seen that we've really admired. And that's not wholly bad. It's great to get some examples and you know, get some models that we can work from, but it's also about making it yours. At Stronger to Serve, we're all about bringing more compassion and justice into the workplace, and that requires courage. And I believe that everyone with their talents has unique ways that they can do that, um, but it might not look exactly like the way that someone else does it, and that's where the courage comes in. Hey there, Mamie here. Just a quick and exciting update for all of you who are enjoying the Modern Manager podcast. The Modern Manager membership community is getting a minor makeover, and it is now called the Podcast Plus Membership. And you can sign up for it and join a community of managers determined to do better every day. You'll get full access to our Slack channel, sketch notes with key takeaways from each episode, all types of guest bonuses, and the members-only podcast, which is ad-free and has extended interviews. So you get to hear the answers to my juiciest questions without interruptions like this one. Sign up today for $15 per month at themodernmanager.com slash more. Can't wait to see you there. Yeah. The courage to be yourself, right? That is, that's hard sometimes. It is, especially when you're in a leadership role. I'm wondering if you have another story or example of someone who really had to like step into that place of courage to be able to fully unleash their own leadership talents. If I just had to think of myself, that's something that, um, You know, I struggled with as a leader, as a new leader. Um, I wanted to be exactly like those that I saw that I admired. Um, An example for me, when people were talking about leadership presence, it was all about being on the stage, being in a suit, speaking in a low voice, and really, you know, projecting your voice. Well, that might not be naturally how I am. So I had to understand that to be a leader doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have these masculine traits. It can also be 
how do I use my ability to develop others? How do I use my ability to be empathetic and to see connections between different things and make that my key leadership brand, I guess we would call it, you know, and and do that in a way that is unique to me as opposed to what I see all around me. That takes courage. It does. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about some of the things that I've where I've had to be courageous too. And one of the hardest things for me is not doing certain things. All right. And having like having the strength or the courage to say, these things I may be good at, but they are not my unique skill set. They're not my unique talents. And so I need to let go of those things. And that is hard too. And it takes some courage to trust other folks to do things that you think you're good at. It's easy to be like, I'm not good at this. Someone else do it. It's harder when it's like, oh, I am good at this thing, but it's not, I'm not the only one who's good at it. And I need to pass it on. Exactly. And that kind of gets to um, what I talked about in the past about, you know, servant leadership doesn't have to lead to burnout. Um, and one of the traps that people do fall into is kind of neglecting themselves. And what I was going, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking people may not think doing something that they're pretty good at, but isn't necessarily one of their strengths is a sign that they are neglecting themselves. But it actually is because if we are going to serve as a leader in a way that we don't neglect ourselves, that means that we are really clear on what our values are and we use those to prioritize and we use those to set boundaries. And that's how we protect not only ourselves from burnout, but also our teams from burnout. Um, because when our teams see that we are prioritizing and we're setting those boundaries for ourselves, they then see get stability. And that's what our teams are looking for stability from their leader so that they can have a sense of what's coming next and what our leader is going to say no to and yes to. And maybe some of those tasks are something that they're really good at that, you know, even though you can do and you can do very effectively, they can do it even better and it energizes them. Yes. Let's talk more about the avoiding burnout piece of this. So we've got the strengths part, right? Focusing in on the things that bring you energy that are uniquely your talents. But you just mentioned a couple other things around values and priorities. Can you unpack those for us? When I talk about how to serve as a leader without burning out, there are really three traps. Um, and the one that we're kind of focusing in on right now, like I mentioned, is the neglecting yourself. Um, so some people think that when you're serving as a leader, that means you're putting everyone else above yourself. You're in a sense almost switching roles with your team in that you're giving them full control and you're just there to prop them up. And the neglecting yourself trap has to do with everything we've been talking about with the talents, strengths, and values. And with the values, again, once you know what is really important to you and what is really important to the organization and how those align, you can use that to question you know, new new tasks that come your way, new ideas that pop into your head that you think, oh, this would be really cool. If you use your values and you say, okay, that's not something that is going to support me becoming the person, me becoming the manager that I want to become and our team becoming what we agreed to that we needed to become for the success of the organization. And you can use that to say no to those opportunities. Wow, that feels easier said than done in some ways. 
It is. And, you know, it, of course, there are different situations and some things you can say no to directly and say, you know, no, that's not a good idea. Some things it's more about help me understand how this fits into our values as an organization, our priorities that we've defined based on those values. And maybe you don't come to complete agreement, um, but maybe there can be some small tweaks made that you can get it more aligned with that. And as an organization, whether that organization is just your small team or the entire company, um, you can make some smarter decisions about how you spend your time. Do you think that it's important for for you to be explicit about your values with your team or to have team values or some other kind of explicit shared understanding around what values are important to me or to us? Definitely, definitely. At a minimum, I would say the team values, but it's really, a, you know, it because that fosters belonging and it serves as guardrails for the work that you're doing. In terms of personal values, that can help build connection and can help people understand what is behind how people are acting, which can sometimes then make conflict a little bit easier to deal with, whether that helps you to prevent, you know, to kind of nip conflict in the bud before it gets really heated, or if it helps you to work through that conflict and make it something that is going to actually make your team stronger. If you know someone's personal values, you are able, better able to get through that. In terms of the team values, I think it's critically important that you know what your team stands for, how you want to be perceived by other teams, because that then allows you to have the groundwork with which you can give feedback to each other. It gives you some places to hold each other accountable. For example, if you're maybe an internal consulting team in an organization, maybe you want your customers to have a feeling when they come to you that you are credible. What are some behaviors that help you to show that you as a team are credible? Well, that may be, you know, that you don't have typos in your documents, you know, for, for you know, a very small example. But um, yes, it can, knowing the team values can help you to set those norms that can then help you to make feedback and accountability much easier. I totally agree. I used to do that work and I loved working with teams to identify their values. It was one of the most fun ways I engaged with teams. And then to your point, getting into the specific behaviors of, okay, if this is our value, what does it look like in action? How will we know we are being successful at living this value? And also, what does overuse look like? And that was something that came out because I can't remember which team I was working with, but they were talking about excellence and really striving for excellence and demonstrating excellence. And someone brought up in the room that like they as a team do that very well, but sometimes end up wasting time because they just keep going on something. And I was like, oh, so interesting that this is a value you're already living, but there's actually ways to overlive a value where it becomes unproductive. And so I started working with teams to identify what does overuse look like and let's make sure that we're not doing it too much, but we're actually finding the sweet spot. Interesting. Interesting. That's why it can be helpful to have multiple values because sometimes they will balance each other out. All right. If you were going to give our listeners a quick couple, you know, 
getting started, how do you talk to your team about identifying these shared values? Any recommended process steps or conversation openers to help them get get their team values put together? You know, simple questions like, what is important to us as a team? And then that other question, like I mentioned, you know, how do we want to per- be perceived? How do we want people after they interact with us to feel? Those questions can then give you some data in a sense to dig into to say, okay, well, why? What's behind that? And once you have those conversations, eventually a value will emerge and multiple values will emerge from those conversations. You also want to look at what are the organization's values. And it's kind of like we were talking about before, you know, kind of the the top down and, and bottom up approach in terms of these are the organization's values. How do our team values support that? And then on the other side, these are our individual values. How do our individual values relate up to our team values and then to the the company values? Ooh, I love that drawing those connections between who we are collectively within this bigger organization and then back to ourselves and looking for alignment and also looking for where there's a lack of alignment or even potentially conflict so that we can, you know, just be transparent about it, I guess. All right, well, we're going to have to wrap up in just a second. But before we do, I'm wondering if you can say a little more about this idea of servant leadership, because we started with the definition of leadership. And then you've mentioned servant leadership a few times of what it's not, right? It's not putting everyone above yourself. So what what is servant leadership in your mind? Yeah, servant leadership, um, you know, you, you see serve in our company name and the podcast name, Strong Leaders Serve. It's one of the tools in the toolbox that we use. It's not the only leadership theory that we follow. For me, it really is about not just having a concern for the organization and the organization's goals, but having that concern combined with how are we supporting the team members in a way that executes on those goals but is also aligned with who they are as people. And so how it is about the the support, the motivation, the viewing our team members as humans and not cogs in a wheel. And then how does that contribute to not just their well-being and their performance and not just the organization's well-being, the organization's performance, but really as a whole, the community's well-being and, and performance because we spend so much of our time at work, and if we are not supporting people as humans there and helping them to thrive, um, that's going to have a negative impact on our community, on our nation, on our world. So beautifully said, and I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. So Terry, can you tell us about this great manager that you work for and what made them such a fantastic boss? Yeah, definitely. So um, her name was Sean Overcast. So she was one of my first managers when I was in corporate and she was a relationship master. So I think the first book that she gave me was Love is the Killer App, um, if you're familiar with that. But it has to do with finding unique ways that people can support each other and then connecting them. She did that with me as well in that I knew that she was looking for, you know, what was unique about me and then connecting me with projects with people that would help me to develop those talents and those strengths. And like I mentioned, um, and I actually just had her 
well, a couple of years ago now, had her on the podcast talking about leadership presence. We talked about how leadership presence is really defined by the phrase itself, and that is, as a leader, are you present? So the way that she led me, I always felt anytime I talked with her, she was truly present with me. And then as I saw her lead groups, as I saw her you know, be on stages and talk to people, she was present with the audience, not because she was loud, not because she had a low voice, like I mentioned, but because she, you could tell she was responding to the audience's needs, the audience's reactions. And so that taught me a lot about what it means to be a leader. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? I would love to have people connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, they can find me, Terry Schmidt, and uh, just send a note. Let me know that you heard me on this podcast, as well as our website is strongertoserve.com. You can learn about everything we do there. Would love to have you connect with us there as well. Awesome. And definitely people should check out your podcast. Yes, definitely. Would love to have people listen to Strong Leaders Serve. You'll hear a lot more about what it means to serve as a leader, as well as some of the risks of that empathetic leaders can fall into that can lead to burnout and how to avoid them. Amazing. Well, thank you again, Terry. Such a fun conversation. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you, Mamie. I had a great time. Terry is giving members of the Podcast Plus community access to her Serve and Thrive Leadership Assessment. This short self-assessment will give you insight into any of the three burnout traps that well-meaning empathetic leaders are often at risk of falling into, together with resources for learning how to avoid those traps. In addition, the download includes a $100 discount on Stronger to Serve services valid through November 17th. Members also get the extended interview where Terry shares more about those two other burnout traps to avoid. Don't forget, members can also enter the drawing to win a copy of Good Awkward, How to Embrace the Embarrassing and Celebrate the Cringe to Become the Bravest You by guest Hannah Pryor of episode 276. You must enter the drawing by November 3rd. To get this guest bonus and many more, become a member of Podcast Plus at themodernmanager.com slash more. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 